Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Two Chunks and a Hunk. Movie musings for mostly everybody. Welcome to Two Chunks and a Hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders, and this week I am your chunk. I'm Doge, and listen, you're not perfect, sport. And let me save you the suspense. This chunk you've met, she's not perfect either. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Carter, and you're just a kid. You don't have the faintest idea what you're chunking about. <laughs> oh, going with a verb. Uh, I'm the guest. I guess I'm the hunk, Dan Coke. Yes, you are. Uh, and you know, guys, trust is the most important thing in making a connection with a chunk. Nice. Phenomenal. Nice. Very good. Now, Dan, I'm going to wag my finger at you already because you're the hunk, my friend. Oh, you are what the did hunk. I say? Chunk. You said chunk. chunk. You know what? It's, uh, it all in sounds real life, the same. In real hey, life, I'm the chunk. Yeah. <laughs> Dan, it's not <laughs> your fault. I'll enjoy yeah, it's one not hour. Your fault, man. Well, it is, frankly. <laughs> it's uh, you know, we're gonna get therapeutic here because it's Goodwill Hunting, and it's my, you know, self-soothing through unhealthy foods. It is my fault. Yeah, um, <laughs> I was not abused. I did not have. I was not stabbed by my foster dad. You know, <laughs> I just eat poorly and hate exercising. I, I meant to say that I'm the hunk. Uh, I guess that's a Freudian slip. There's another yeah, reference ooh. to therapy. Hot I am on fire tonight. You're too in wow. already. Whew. Wow. Dan, would you do me a huge favor and tell everybody listening who you are, what you do, what you love right off the top? Yeah. Um, I'm Dan Koch. I am the host of the You Have Permission podcast, which is a podcast about progressive Christianity and the sciences, often psychological science, but sometimes other sciences. Um, and I, a long time ago, played in a rock and roll band called Sherwood. And I am a grad student getting my doctorate in counseling psychology. That's me. Phenomenal. Wow. And I love movies. Movies are my, my primary hobby as a person. Wonderful. I love that. Do you remember? Dan, what's your, oh, oh so embarrassing. Dan, what's your favorite movie of all time? <laughs> my favorite movie of all time is Almost Famous, specifically the director's cut, which is called Untitled. Okay. And I don't, I just don't, it, there have been films that have, you know, approached it. Maybe, but but nothing's beat it. I love it. Flick, love it. Amazing. A couple others, just to give you a sense. Yeah, uh, Moneyball, which is just like a perfect film. Um, Disney's Robin Hood, the animated version. Oh, we love Disney's Robin. Hood. That's that's from the old, you know, that's from the old country. Yeah, um, sure. And then Apocalypse Now, there will be blood. This oh, is, yes. you know, I, I kind of stick with sort of like the film lighthearted kind of fun stuff. <laughs> dark, <laughs> mostly dark films. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. Uh, so you'll, you'll fit perfectly right here 
uh, with the movie that is closing out our uh, <laughs> what what did we call it? Our our Mark and Jack do therapy Matt. bad. Yeah, yeah, that's a, right. Have a seat. Mark and Jack do therapy bad. <laughs> I this think is an, a sequence of films involving therapy. Is this my, my understanding? It's a that's serious? correct. Okay, that's extent. correct. Yes, yeah, we sir. started we started with The Departed, Jack and uh, Matt, and then we went to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Jack, both terrible examples of therapists. <laughs> and then uh, now we have uh, a slightly better version here in uh, the, the final movie of the series, which we'll all attempt to say at the same time. Ooh, let's this see if we movie, can get this synced up. It'll be great, guys, I'm sure. It's called Goodwill Good Hunting. Hunting. That's going to come out real clean. <laughs> sure, yeah, perfect. Easy. Now, Doge, as always, uh, what I need you to do here, buddy, is give me a synopsis. You know, I was hoping you'd ask me because I did pick one out on IMDb to read just for this moment. Thank this you so much. This week's synopsis is written by Damien Saunders. Damien. Whose IMDb username is dvs at rainbow.net. And, and I'm confident that's not a real email address. I don't think that would go anywhere if you try. Maybe to we should this bleep person. the URL just in case. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to try not to dox email there. Damien on accident. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Damien writes, a janitor at MIT, Will Hunting, has a gift for math and chemistry that can take him light years beyond his blue-collar roots. But he doesn't realize his potential and can't even imagine leaving his childhood Boston South End neighborhood, his construction job, or his best friend. To complicate matters, several strangers enter the equation. A brilliant math professor who discovers, even envies, Will's gifts. An empathetic shrink who identifies with Will's blue-collar roots. And a beautiful, gifted pre-med student who shows him, for the first time in his life, the possibility of love. It's actually a great synopsis. That was Damian a fantastic synopsis. Damien wow. knocked it out of the park here. Damien really to, knows I what's up. I need to uh, follow this guy. How do, how do I, I get <laughs> notifications of new synopsis on AMDB? I thought you were going to say, how do you email him? <laughs> I was going to say, how do I get an email at rainbow.net? <laughs> right? I got to, well, hey, I'll, I'll have whatever he's having, you know? Please. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, I'm going to say right off the bat with Goodwill Hunting, I was a little disappointed because there's not a whole lot of hunting in this movie. God. It's his last yeah. name, Jordan. Okay. I'm, I'm back on track. Is- Hunting. I'm back Listen, on track. When did you know like that? Was that a bit? <laughs> that was a bit. Okay, okay. Before we started recording, Jordan's like, I've got the perfect zinger that's going to just take all the air out of it. That, my like, exact please, words were, I'm going to take all the air out of this recording. Please don't so. do that to our podcast, man. You well. succeeded. And I played right into it like an idiot. We like decided before we started that I am the LVP, the least valuable player on the pod. So it was important for me to you're make, take us You're making down. the argument here. no this is um it's obviously considered a classic by so many people and it's always a little intimidating stepping into a conversation about a movie that is so uh well regarded and so widely regarded um i think it's almost a weird rite of passage for a movie podcast to talk about goodwill hunting it's a little crazy we're just now getting here but do you all remember the first time you watched this movie because I came to it late. <laughs> I came to it late. I have a really funny story about the first time I watched well, this please movie. Please tell me. The first time I watched this movie, uh, <laughs> my now wife, Jessica. Uh, uh, oh, you miss a lot of it? She, no, she turned me on to the idea of once you yeah, go she through did. a breakup, hey, once you go through a breakup, you watch a movie that you think will make you cry to get your breakup feelings out. I had oh, completing never, the stress cycle. Right, That's exactly. Yeah. 
uh, a little bit of emotional catharsis right there, right? So I had never seen Goodwill Hunting. I knew it had a reputation as a, I guess probably just capital M movie. Like it's one of those movies that's like, this is a grown-up movie. You know what I mean? And so I, I was going, I went through a breakup and I was like, I just need to watch something sad to get all my sad out. And I watched Google <laughs> Hunting and I was like, this really isn't that sad and it's not helping me at all. And then completely fell apart at the, it's not sure. your fault part, yes. right? Right. 100%. But that's the first time I watched it on my iPad sitting on the couch at my parents' house. Well, on your iPad though. Yeah, no, not a good, not, I didn't set myself up for success okay. really Fair at enough. all. That's not a good place to watch a movie. I think I watched so I, I think I watched this with my parents when I was in high school, hmm. like junior or senior in high school, uh, and yeah, just yeah, done. You know, I think I've told the story before to where I saw, uh, I think it was Tangled with my dad and mom, and my dad and I are the ones <laughs> sobbing, and mom's like, "Get over it." But <laughs> it was another one of those situations where yeah, it was just uh, it, it stood in my brain. You know, Robin Williams feels like I'm a '90s kid, so. He feels like he's only playing the role he played for me. Yeah, <laughs> in life. Emotionally and sure. spiritually for those, you know, that decade that he was just doing everything. Uh, so yeah, it's always had a special place for me. I'm playing the genie in Aladdin. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I, I would have seen it shortly after it came out. I was in high school when it came out and I either saw it then or college, probably late high school. I just remember loving it the first time and being like, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Hmm. I don't remember much else about my first experience. I've probably seen it five or six times. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. It's definitely a a, a rewatch worthy film. Uh, oh, nothing yeah. special about my first watch either. It was just, I'm glad I didn't watch it until college. I don't know that I would have been able to appreciate so sort of the more um, complex emotional themes happening in the movie. I think I might've been bored yeah. by it when I was in high school, but um, it, man, it hit me at the perfect time. And it's something I uh, have just really treasured ever since I watched it for that first time. It's it's a really special movie. And I don't know, um, even in coming up with this series, I feel like we struggled to come up with many movies with a positive view of therapy yeah. to begin with. I think this is kind of an outlier, right? Because Will's therapist genuinely wants to help him and, and doesn't sure. seem to want something from him in the way that, you know, like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, like Vera Farmiga in The Departed <laughs> doesn't really seem to be sure. that altruistic of a counselor. We've got even folks like the counselor in uh, uh, Silver Linings Playbook. Right. Where it's like, this, he's just so manipulative to Bradley Cooper, right? This is like, right. I think the closest to a counseling experience that I would want to take part in. Sure. Yeah. Which seems like an outlier, right? It's hard to find. We had a conversation, you know, uh, a few days ago too about preparing to have this role of Sean as this counselor and how even still it didn't really feel like the dynamic truly of having a counselor. But honestly, the dynamic that we get almost excuses itself a little bit to me in watching it because this is an interesting situation. This is a friend of his recommending him to be. And so it almost felt like he had different rules uh, but still had the foundation of what made him a professional. And so it does create something. Uh, while it's the closest look I think we've had to actual uh, sessions, it is, again, also a little bit fictional. Sure. I wrote a few things down about this aspect of the film. Uh, Please. I, I think it is, for the most part, once we get to Sean, to Robin Williams' character, it is a pretty accurate uh, portrayal of the kind of therapy you might do with a client like Will. Um, and it it really does kind of valorize 
psychotherapy. Um, it, you know, a lot, a lot of the moves that he makes, like, you know, uh, when he says, now he's being kind of sarcastic when he says, well, it sounds like you got a really great plan. You can, you can go through your life and <laughs> like, that's, you wouldn't probably normally be sarcastic to a client, mm. but you would say back to them a version of what they're saying that they hear and go, well, I don't know if I, I mean, I don't know that I want to do that. Mm. And that's actually mm. a tactic called motivational interviewing and it's really effective. People need to, people need to hear you agree with something that they don't quite believe. And then they, that helps them figure out that they don't believe it. Uh, wow. yeah, yeah. It's very cool. Uh, and uh, so, you know, before they get to Sean, a couple, a couple nitpicks here. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Hit us. <laughs> um, you would, the, the first guy would never call a client a loony or a crazy person <laughs> and certainly would not do that in the waiting room of the Yikes. office. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you would maybe have a confidential conversation with professor Lambeau. Um, and then the, the second one, and this actually might be my, this might be my least favorite thing in the movie is that Professor Lambeau and the TA are in the hypnosis session. Yeah, dude. Wild. And yeah, I know dude. wild. I realize why they did that. They did that so that when we get to Sean's office, Sean can say, you guys are out of here. Mm -hmm. And like, oh, so now we're already learning something that Sean is like a real therapist or whatever. He's right. going to do good work. He's not going to be the lackey of Professor Lambeau. But uh, that is just like extremely unethical to have other people <laughs> in the room during a session. So that's my, uh, that's my, um, my least favorite thing in the, what's that called? My big dumps? What's it called? Your super dump. Yeah. My super, super dump. The big one. Yeah. But big, it's like a big, big dump. dump. Yeah. Think more Chipotle. There's also, a, there's a great, <laughs> there's a great, uh, there's a great moment in the film where Sean strangles Will kind of, you know, and kind of gets up in his face. That would yeah. be that would be a very a very big mistake to make in real life. <laughs> yeah. um, Absolutely. But the overall the overall thing and that quote I I my my joke quote of like trust is the most important thing in making a connection with a client. That's true. We call that the therapeutic mm. alliance. It does as much work as anything else you're going to do as a therapist. And mm. they have been able to sort of approximate this through through statistics of like what percentage of a client's change is from what? And you're just having a good alliance with them. They trust you. You have good rapport. Does more work than any specific thing about your work. Oh, I'm a psychoanalytic, theor uh, I'm a CBT guy. I'm a whatever guy. Or I, I uh, disclose more. Or I disclose less. All of mm -hmm. that stuff is less important than just you have a good thing going with the client. And then mm -hmm. that lets them process through stuff and change. Uh, and so that's, that's just like one way of saying the kind of vibe they show between the two of them. It's fairly realistic with a client yeah. like that. And it is, it is powerful like that. Uh, and I, I just loved that. I thought that was really well done. Yeah. That's no, awesome. I, I think that's great. And I, I think am, it makes I me eating this up right now. Yeah, I am, totally. I am, I am loving this. So I assume this was part much. of why you asked me on. Was yes, to talk absolutely. About it. Okay. All right. This is so, exactly it. Because you're I'm smarter just, than us. I'm well. I'm training to be a psychologist, so that's sure. probably the main thing. Uh, <laughs> whether or not I'm smarter than you, although Jordan, you're again, you're making the case for yourself as 
dispensable here. And I don't. My goal I is to be weren't. ejected by the end of this episode. That's that's sort of the, <laughs> the overall goal. Here. I realize listeners didn't hear the bit that we chatted about before we started recording. Where you <laughs> so said, it just sounds like you're being mean I'm to me. <laughs> Where you said that you were the most dispensable, and now I'm I'm calling back to that, and I'm realizing people might think, "Who is this guy that they've yeah. invited on? It's just ragging on it's, Jordan." That's our connection. Yeah. We never oh, talked about man. that either. They they are age old rivals, and that's yeah. how they happen to know each other. Time. Dan and I have just been circling. It's been no a long time. since since we went to college together, and my career took off, and you ended up as a community college professor and a therapist. And I think that you're jealous of my success <laughs> with my Fields Medal. Mm-hmm. Right, but, but I knew that was familiar. Yeah. When I was watching this movie, I was like, "That sounds like somebody I know." I just can't place it. Yeah. This is going to yeah. end with us having a really charming exchange about going to get drinks right now. <laughs> yeah, this exact second, right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not? I think that's, <laughs> Put it on my tab. I, uh, I want to go ahead and uh, follow the momentum here from Dan. <laughs> not necessarily. I'm not going to have the psychoanalysis momentum he does, <laughs> but I will super dump, which sure. is what I'm, I, I feel like I know better. I feel like I can super dump something. Sure. Um, but he mentioned the TA. Uh, when I'm in a super dump situation on a movie that I think is phenomenal, usually I'm super dumping. I'm just trying to remove something that I feel like will only make the movie better. Uh, that and it seems like what stood out to me is the TA feels completely unnecessary. Yeah, I think he would have been more necessary if he was funny. I think a lot of the times, especially in the '90s, we're talking late '90s. There's plenty of sidekick types. Sure, uh, and I think technically, even though we don't have a true villain in this movie, I think Professor Lambo, his he he is kind of the he feels to me kind of a little bit like the antagonist in a way because his. Uh, there's a certain selfishness here, but we kind of need to relate to everybody that's trying to pull Will in different directions. But right. the TA doesn't need to be there at totally. all. I don't think I don't think he brings anything. Uh, he didn't have any moments to me that were memorable. I forgot he was there. So when we talked about them sitting in on the the hypnosis, it, in my mind, I only remember just, just three Lambo. people in that room, <laughs> yeah. not four. So it feels I'm, I'm like out. there is. It feels like there's supposed to be like an element of jealousy from that TA. Like the TA was the math prodigy before yeah. Will. You know what I mean? And and maybe that's in an earlier draft, but that's certainly not enough, here yeah. in the final text of the film. So I'm gonna I'm gonna join you, Carter. The TA is also my super dump, but for one Whoa. specific reason, um, he is bad. Like the actor did a bad job as oh. the TA. I don't think he I don't think he brought anything to that role at all. In a movie full of uh, it seems like every single person has chemistry with everyone else on screen. You know, we talk a lot about the importance of chemistry and how much life it can bring to a scene and um, how much uh, how much an audience kind of relies on believing that two people actually know each other and actually can get along and actually do these things. And he is so flat. In a movie full of peaks, he is a valley. Um, And he is uh, my super dump for mostly that reason. Um, But yeah, I also, you know, I I agree that it feels like they were setting him up to like turn in Will for not attending his sessions or something. The dynamic it reminded me of that it felt like they were trying to aim for was, uh, if we've watched 30 Rock, was Jack Donaghy's assistant, Jonathan, who hates Liz. Totally. It totally felt like that's what we wanted out of this and and did not do it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Here's the argument for Todd the TA, though. Okay. Because I'm not sure I agree, but I I like what you're saying, but here's the counter argument. Is that by being kind of a milquetoast guy, he is sort of, he is, he has no real personality. His whole life has built up to TAing for this Fields Medal guy, 
mathematician. And just like that, when Will Hunting shows up, a super charismatic and super talented guy who didn't try at all, mm-hmm. now this guy who has no self, now he really has nothing. Uh, and if he were this charismatic sort of bringing something to the table, then it would water down that juxtaposition where Professor Lambeau loves Will, not only for his, not only for his ability, but also they have a little bit of a repartee because Will's funny and he's charming and stuff. Mm. So Todd being the guy with like the uncool glasses, you know, and like the polo shirt, I, I think it works. I think it's helpful and it sets up, um, it, it also says something about Professor Lambeau that that's the kind of person that he would choose as his TA who just kind of worships him and doesn't have a lot going on and that, that he could abuse and just turn into a coffee errand boy sure. once yeah. the shiny thing comes along. So that would be my yeah. counter argument for Todd. I think that's I think totally valid. Todd. He definitely needed like, a, like a, just a, 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 pace, a piece of like just paper hanging out with him while he's hitting on other <laughs> you know, all these women all the time so that they don't have any chance to glance the other way. <laughs> so you know, oh my gosh. Like, we got to talk yeah. about that at some point. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's talk about it right, uh. right after this because I, it is so important to me that everybody acknowledges. Did anybody but me laugh out loud at Todd's reaction to Professor Lambeau tousling Will's hair after he solves the equation? Dude, the daggers that shot from this man's <laughs> eyes... <laughs> the funniest thing in this whole movie to me. That's the Todd I want on my screen. Should have been me. I actually, I do think the the, the most I laughed was when uh, when Will is is leaving in a in a huff from uh, Sean's office. He says F- you, and then in like a quarter second, Sean says you're the shepherd. Yes, which is Ugh. which is both a joke about f- things and. F- Use, oh, that's very good. so good. It's very. And I was good. like, oh, so that. I, I don't think I recognized just how like tight of a joke that was. That feels that's a that Robin had to Williams be Robin. thing. That's it's Robin, Robin had, for sure. Yeah. Gotta oh, yeah. be totally. Williams. Had yeah. to be. Okay, yeah. let's talk about how grody Professor Lambeau is. Guys, that's my super Guys. dump. Now okay. we've all super dumped, but that's my super dump. Is that's how, a better like, super dump, actually. How predatory, <laughs> how predatory Lambeau is in this because these, like it, I don't know, it's that same kind of thing. We do it in Indiana Jones, too, where we play it as like, oh, he's this roguish professor and he knows he's handsome, but it's like, it's not cool then, and it's defo not cool now. It's so grody and creepy. But it isn't just Lambo because when Will calls Minnie Driver and he doesn't oh, say yeah, anything, dude. she yeah. says, is this professor such and such again? 100%. So there is another professor in the There's world of this movie who calls hot students and breathes over the phone. Ugh, That's the goodness. world we're living my, in. Some of my, like... One eye trying to look away, one eye reading the trivia. The worst moments were, I mean, this was a Weinstein-produced film. Yes, woof. Yep. And there's some, there's like, he didn't think Minnie Driver was cute enough for the role, but Matt Damon and Ben Affleck had to fight for her to be in this role. Just the seediest, nastiest thing. Man, that's gross. Part of me is Mm -hmm. like, I'll go ahead and let's just credit to, you know, Jabba the Hutt producing this film. But (laughs) it's just like... Yeah. yeah, that's so cringy, and, I, and it's just so disappointing how often that's been coming up. 
And she's well, so and good and dude. so beautiful. That oh, it's she like, is. Well, okay, hold on. You, she's a you couture, she was a couture model before she was an actor. <laughs> I just think like, oh, what it really means is like she didn't f*** him is really right, what it is. Right, yeah, she did not put out. And so yeah. he was not interested because So she's sick. not attractive enough, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Shit. While, while we're on the subject of Mini Driver, you want to talk chemistry and charm. Oh my goodness. Dude. Completely. Well, they had it. There was a little bit of a, a, a love interest Was there here. some fling oh, on set? was there? Yes, Matt Damon and Mini Driver during production. Good for them. How high is Matt Damon riding right now, guys? <laughs> like, he, him and Ben Affleck just get done weeping. One of my favorite things I read was that the two of them, the very one of the very first scenes they shot was Skarsgård and Robin Williams in the bar talking to each other. So they're watching these two big-time actors Jeez, yeah. doing the script that they've been working to try and put together for five years. And he said they're just weeping tears of joy. Lo and behold, who you've cast in this movie is legitimately interested in you. Wow. Uh, <laughs> much like in the script. So it's just, yeah, Matt Damon is... Uh, he was doing all right. The the <laughs> vibe of this movie in Goodwill Hunting felt so much like another movie we did recently, uh, Rocky. It just feels like this yeah. kind of like what an amazing story. Like, like the movie itself is the, the underdog. Movie, yeah. Of how it is made. Just for them to put that thing together. And I think part of that too, we talk about the chemistry and how much that means something. I think, you know, if you know Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, even though they wouldn't do a ton of stuff together, very early in their career they did. And of course the chemistry is there because these guys are best friends. And so it's like every time they were on screen together, I didn't feel like I was watching a movie. I feel like we just kind of caught their conversation sure. <laughs> in, in South Boston, you know? And, and that's just something that it's just a perfect storm. I don't think that could have happened with any other two people. It didn't, as much as they tried, right? Because this was going to be, you know, this movie ends up making, I think, 20 times its budget. Wow. Wow. Um, and there would have been rumors that it was going to be DiCaprio and Brad Pitt in this role, hmm. but they just kept fighting and saying, no, this is ours. This is ours, much like a Sly Stallone would do in 1976. So super cool. I absolutely love that part of the film, just the yeah. actual making of. Yeah, the, the tenacity. There's something about Boston that I find so endearing, um, just like as a city and the culture that surrounds it, there's a general sort of tenacity and attitude that you see portrayed in media out of Boston that I think you get out of the creativity from Matt and Ben for this movie that is so fun. Yeah, it's nice to not also have blasted, and I lost my love. <laughs> that's <laughs> departed. That's true. Yeah, drop no drop kick Murphy's in sight here, weirdly, which is mm. then you can't prove it's Boston. That's yeah. a good point. Is it Boston? Have that's you guys point. thought at all about this movie and the town? The other Affleck film, which is very Boston-centric, you know, they rob Fenway. Uh they it's yeah, very mm -hmm. much set in a a friend group that is hyper local. Again, it's I think it's South, I think it's Southie. But it's one particular neighborhood mm -hmm. in South Boston where, you know, all the bank robbers Charles come Town. from. Yeah. Charlestown, right. So it's that same, it's like a hyper-localized view of Boston from Boston. Uh, I hadn't, I mean, I'm just doing this in real time, but there's maybe sure. some interesting stuff there. Totally. Yeah, yeah and absolutely. Both great movies, both, um, yeah, hyper-personal as well in their storytelling. Also, a a woman who's not from that world, right? So Affleck's love interest in the town is not a local, right? Is, is that right? I could uh, be I misremembering that. I've seen the town once or twice. I think oh, she I is a local. That. Blake Lively okay. herself wasn't, and her accent work was like outstanding or something right. like Blake that. Blake Lively. If I remember okay. correctly. No, 
no, Blake Lively is from the town, is from their neighborhood. And then the other girl, the girl that he ends up like falling in love yes. with or whatever. And, and, yes. and lying about his friends and his life, similar to 100%. Will, You're lying right. about at least his background mm. to this girl who's not from this town in Boston, this neighborhood of Boston. Right. It's, there is some shared DNA and it's super effective storytelling. Uh, it, and it's one of the those things like goodwill heisting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I'm just gonna um, log off. Killer. That's good. Uh, yeah, there's there's something like something in that like you know people say a story is not universal unless it's particular or something like that. So the fact right. that like I don't know anything about South Boston. Like I don't. I've probably been there. I don't know anything about it, but I can relate to these stories because they sure. take. That, that thing seriously and they and they do it justice <laughs> this episode is so good and I know that 100% because we're definitely not recording shout announcements before the episode I know no. for sure the episode is going great right now can't we're in not, the middle of it can't not go great and you're loving it um, look I know how much you're loving it but I need the world to know how much you're loving it. So don't do hide it under a bushel, folks. No, let it shine. We are trying to get 300 reviews by our yep. fourth birthday. It's all we want for our fourth birthday. Full. That and a smash cake. That's too old for a smash cake, but I want it anyway. I would take a smash cake for my next birthday is 28, and I would take a smash, a smash cake. When for I sure. was a kid, uh, I was supposed to smash my cake as a baby, and I got the icing between my fingers and started dry heaving. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that's just sort of a little glimpse into what makes hey, Jordan Jordan. I want you to interpret this how you will. That tracks. Yeah, no, I figured. Um, but yeah, please, please go onto the Apple Podcast app. It's the only metric that counts, unfortunately. Go onto that app <laughs> and leave us a review. We love five stars. I love a five-star review, but I want you to be honest. Tell the world your honest opinion about us. It's one of the best ways that you can help us grow naturally and organically and spread the good word of two chunks. Another good way to do that is tell your friends. Send an episode. Send this episode to them. Just hit the little share button in your favorite podcast app and send it their way. I promise they'll love it or maybe they won't. I can't be held legally responsible for that. Something else I'd like y'all to do, if you're comfortable, there's a movie coming out, and it's going to be the next movie that we're reviewing. It's one of those big theater movies you've heard about. <gasps> I've heard of that. It'd be fun to go to the theater for this. I know that the three, four of us are going to try and do that. But Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We're about to be launched in one of those brand new worlds like Marvel likes to do often. Uh, and I'm really excited about it. And of course, because MCU is foundational to this podcast's creation— we're going to catch every single one of these big movies and these shows. So Absolutely. Is that the comic bookest name we've gotten from Marvel so far? That's pretty dang comic booky. Yeah, you know, it's it might be. Comic booky. Honestly, The Dark World, Thor of the Dark World is kind of comic booky too, but yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy as a whole is a very comic yeah, booky title true. of a group. That's true. That's true. That's Shang-Chi sure. and the Legend of the Ten Rings is, is up there. Uh, mm. And it is, uh, I know at least for me, the beginning of my box office ball uh, monies for this oh, year. Oh, I guess so. I guess you should have picked up Jungle Cruise and Suicide Squad then. Uh, tell me about it. Did you see Suicide Squad made like $7 million on its second weekend? What a drop off. And Free Oof. Guy made like 30 Oof. Zing. 
Zing. Well, listen, if you have been listening to this episode and you like us and our stuff, a great way that you can support us is by heading over to twochunksandahunk.com backslash Patreon uh, and signing up for one of the two tiers we've got there. We've got a $3 tier where you get to uh, listen to bonus episodes. Um, we used to do them once a series. Now we do them once a when we can, uh, but we're in the middle of, <laughs> of reviewing Back to the Future right now. It's Carter's first watch through these three movies, and it's a great time over there. We're going to be recording part two soon, and that'll be hitting those bonus episode feeds. Your shelves. Uh, as soon as as soon as possible. Uh, another benefit that you get of that tier is that you can vote twice in any open polls that we have. Uh, we do have a poll coming up this fall. Uh, once the chill is in the air, you'll get to make your voice heard once again. And if you're a patron, you get to make your voice heard two different times. Uh, your votes have double power. And historically, over the past year, that's made a huge difference as far as like what movies actually make it onto the pod. And if Slash listen, their position. I mean, slash their it, position. we've had talked about different movies. We've had different finale movies. Like, yeah, the it's a huge deal. Counts. It's a huge deal. We also have a $5 tier over there where you get all those benefits plus access to our patron-only Discord channel. Um, in the in the right now times that we live in where we're recording, we mostly fight about how much money Dune's going to make, but I'm sure three <laughs> weeks from now when this releases, it'll all be beautiful conversations that make us all feel good about ourselves. <laughs> uh, and if you're listening to this episode and you, like me, are loving Dan... He's a great dude. Dan's got a ton of great stuff for you to check out. You should listen Tons. to his podcast, You Have Permission. Check out his music at Havana Swim Club on Spotify. Give him a follow on social media. Dan's an all-around great guy, and we love the content that he's creating. And and now, back to the show. Like we say every time a at the end of show announcements. A word from our sponsors. Now back to the ad. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Can I do my uh, super, what is it, pumps? Please. What is it? Yeah, super pump. I've got, I've got uh, three, and they're tied. Okay. Ooh, I, love I love that. Uh, Let's hear them. The first is a is two lines of dialogue that goes, this is Professor Lambeau. This is Professor Hayes, the <laughs> janitor. 
Oh, yes, yes. That was so funny. <laughs> so good. That single line is so good. Yes. Uh, the, the entire economy of the Southern Colonies bar scene. Oh, my um, goodness. I think, like, especially as a cerebral chunk to use the terminology of this podcast. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, and I, I wasn't always such a chunk, but I thought of myself as one. Uh, I, like, there's something so romantic about, like, being able to win over the heart of a beautiful woman just by being smarter than someone else. Like, yeah. you don't have yeah. to actually win a fight or, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, you just beat them in an argument. It's like the philosophy major's wet dream, basically, yeah, right? right. For sure. Exactly. Um, and so, and obviously it's just like an incredibly written scene. And then my third tie for super pump is Casey Affleck, guys. Oh this my is, good in this, right? This is buying low and early on Casey Affleck stock. <laughs> totally. He's yes. so good with, with, he has so little to do, but yes. he's <laughs> so good with it. Like every single scene, uh, he is just on fire. Um, Absolutely he, on fire. He's definitely my favorite sort of side player in the film. <laughs> Completely. It feels like his yeah. entire direction was Ben Affleck being like, hey, just pretend we're kids again. Like, be mad at yep. me like you used to get mad at me. Yeah. So he, so he was like, the rumors were, or, or what I had read, that he he went more off script than Robin Williams. <laughs> and you're, I guess it's just going based <laughs> off of a percentage. Yeah. But they were just, they were cracking up. A lot of the times the laughs that we see Casey getting are just his <laughs> shots that he's just taking. Like, yeah. I actually think it so would be good. funnier to say, this is what I was using the mitt for, you know, and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they're just dying, and I absolutely love no, it. No, I it's just used good. it for uh, for the cleanup. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good yes. line. <laughs> yes. You know, I, uh, my, my super pump 100%, I thought was going to just be Robin Williams because he I thought the same thing, dude, for me. Um, you know, with, with Robin, I remember, so August 11th of 2014, I'm standing in, in my bedroom at the time where I'm living with a bunch of guys <clears throat> in North Dallas and my wife, who's only been my wife for about a year, but knows my affinity for movies, for characters. And of course, Robin, uh, calls me as if she, I've, I've lost a family member to tell me that he had died. I'll, mm. I'll never forget. I wept. But um, so I very much thought he was going to be my favorite part, but I really don't think uh, that the movie is as poignant and as gripping as it is without Matt Damon's performance. I, I forget mm. how phenomenal he's doing this. And it's one thing to, I think, just of anybody watching to see, you know, him spouting off, uh, you know, all that history uh, in in the bar, but then also, you know, just the, I caught myself trying to do all his brothers, right? So that, that's impressive. <laughs> that's impressive uh, alone. But I think just the, the raw emotion, he kind of is very layered. I forget how much we see of his character and his personality in this movie. And I think it's even doubly impressive that this is like one of the first things he does, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. talk about bursting onto the scene. He, he would get an Oscar nomination for this in a leading role. You know, and he's 27, kind of comes out of nowhere. Um, and of course, the Oscar that we know that, that him and Ben get to share with the original screenplay. But yeah, just phenomenal work. Matt Damon is, I think, my favorite thing about this movie. Mm. It's really good. And it makes sense. Um, you know, he, sometimes your title character is uh, not your title character because they're the strongest. But here, I mean, he he really does go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Robin Williams and they they both come out better for it, I think, in the scenes yeah. that they're sharing together. Um, yeah. And, you know, something that on the on the train of things I thought might end up being super pumps but didn't, 
Can I, I just want to take a minute to appreciate Danny Elfman's soundtrack for this movie. Oh, hey, it's so good. Um, Isn't that amazing? You know, it's something that it feels like it is <laughs> in these moments where Will is having um, these epiphanies where he realizes that he can break old habits and old patterns in his life. It makes those moments feel like that soundtrack could also fit with NASA breaking the code to get to the moon. <laughs> like it feels universal while we're watching this small thing happen to this person, but it feels like this enormous breakthrough. Like, I don't know. I don't want to get too romantic, but I definitely want to get too romantic about the movie. But it just feels like as Will is realizing that his funnel is widening, that there's more in front of him than the, the path that he has been on, that he can break habits and he can open himself up to relationship and to vulnerability and all these things it feels like the soundtrack wants us to go, that is space. That is leaving the earth. Like his feet yeah. are lifting up. It's just so good. And Danny is, I mean, I feel like I'm climbing up my own butthole a little bit here with how uh, <laughs> uh, navel gazy I'm getting. But <clears throat> it's just how I felt about it, man. It, it, yeah. it, it's magical. It's a magical soundtrack for a relatively grounded movie. Yeah, I thought it was interesting to contrast the Elfman score with the Elliot Smith songs, which I think they use yes. like six or seven of them in the film. Uh, and the Elliot Smith stuff is more, it's more grounded. It's, um, mm -hmm. it's sad, but romantic. It's like romantic, sad indie like folk. Melancholy. You know? Yeah. yeah. With a kind of an edge to it. And then the Elfman stuff is like, uh, it's a, it's a little nineties in terms of some of the tonality <laughs> of it. Sure. which I noticed this time and hadn't noticed before, but it's so interesting. And he's playing with such, he's playing with such like, uh, I mean, in, as a, uh, as a composer for the last 10 years for, for um, mostly commercial composer. So I, I haven't done many films, but like the type of dissonance that he's using and the type of chord structures are, are really, are like really unexpected and there, and mm -hmm. I think that's what you're picking up on this kind of like, um, it's a little bit fantastical, you know, it's a little mm -hmm. bit like otherworldly, which, yeah, it's this grounded movie about a guy in a particular neighborhood with a very common abusive blue collar background. And, and yet this music makes it sound like this is the guy, yeah, this is the guy who's going to get us to the moon. Right. Uh, or, right. I think that's a cool way of, uh, it's a cool way of thinking about it. I think well, that's the you. universality of it, right? Yeah. You know, like that, that, like the music serves to kind of clue us into, hey, maybe this is a bigger story than just this one guy who got out of Boston this one time. Maybe this is, you know, I don't know. I, we're all climbing up our own butts at this point, but hey, welcome in. The, the music is sort of the key, it clues you into like, okay, this is the universality. This is the, uh, the application of this, you know, across all different kinds of, you know, you can iterate it out however you like, it, depending on the specifics, but. You know, it's something relatable for, for all folks. Which for part sure. of it is universal for you? Because uh, there's obviously a lot of things that the various characters go through that we may go through as mm -hmm. normies. Um, <laughs> but the sort of crux of all that drama is a super non-normal, you know, right. once in four generations mind. So sure. like a one in a billion mind or more. Yeah. Um, and then that sets off like one of my favorite, one of my favorite character studies is Professor Lambeau, where it's like, 
he has built up his whole thing around being this, um, you know, being this accomplished mathematician and getting this medal and using that, parlaying that medal to like sleep with 23 year old students, which is actually really sad when you think about it. Sure. Um, uh, compared to, to compared to Sean's life who married a woman that he loved and, and like stuck with her through cancer. Professor Lambeau is like a idiot by comparison. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Um, but, but then to have him find Will and there two things happen at once with Will. One is his whole, his whole thing comes crumbling down because there's someone better than him. <laughs> but then we also hear him say that Sean is smarter than him too. And he knows right. it, but right. Sean didn't go that route. I'm that's, that's a little harder to believe that, that somebody would end up a really good therapist who could have been a Fields Medal mathematician. The people I know who are mathematicians would not necessarily make great therapists. Uh, but, but, you know, so that's one. But then on the other hand, he's really delighted by him. And sure. he almost falls, re-falls in love with math through Will. So I just right. think his character study is, that's really interesting and that's kind of relatable. But Will's not relatable other than, I mean, maybe if I'd had a, like a different kind of an upbringing, he would be in a sense, but he's so, right. he's so non-relatable in his main thing. But I don't know, maybe, yeah. maybe you guys think that that doesn't make him not relatable. It actually makes, yeah. it's like a, it's a parable, right? That he's so good mm. that it's, a good you know it. what I mean? He I think is I would so, lean more, I think it would lean more that direction that the universality comes from recognizing, hey, this is a story about realizing and activating latent potential and like, Right. Finding like meaning making, basically like that kind of story. Yeah. Um, rather than you know something hyper specific, I think if you, I think you can broaden it out to be universally applicable. Will is a superhero, right? I mean, like sure, it's yeah. like hero's journey type of stuff, right? Like, I'm never going to leave my village and return with a boon from the gods, right? Right. But, right. You know. Yes. Yeah. He's written to be, I, I think, so over the top and unrealistically genius that you can almost put a blanket of anything you want over top of him and just go, this is a gifted person. Um, but the giftedness isn't the issue. It's the um, sort of the, the, the inability to be vulnerable, inability to trust yeah. somebody with, yeah. uh, I mean, for, for me at least, being able to identify with uh, an unwillingness to put the potential to hurt me in somebody's hands. You know, yeah. and, and I think that's there's something universal that you could take away from almost any aspect of um, just breaking old patterns and learning that there are other options than what you have always done. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm totally with you also, Dan. I think that there are, um, I hope, very intentionally written characters across the whole spectrum of this movie that people can look at and go, yeah, I mean, who hasn't felt that thing at least one time or who, who hasn't been kind yeah. of in that situation? Yeah. Um, I think outside of Will's superpowers, I feel like this movie kind of subtly works in extremes because it's like yeah. he, because he is so extremely smart, like something we've never seen, we're really starting to see super accentuations of other people's emotions around him. 
right? I, I can't remember maybe the last time that Lambeau and Sean got in a big tiff. And it, I think it feels like it's the crux of it is, you know, it's like when we're standing around the ring, right? Here's this big power. <laughs> right. What do we do with it, right? Will just comes in and they're like, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I've never dealt with something like this before. Everything is combustible. Because if we make one wrong move, he will be me. If I make this move, he'll be me. And so like the relatability mm-hmm. there is everyone is seeing themselves mm-hmm. in someone who is just supernatural. It's good. And so it's the fun juxtaposition of like, yeah, it is a fun conversation that we brought up the universality because I, I, I think while I feel one way right now, I could feel a different way about it <laughs> totally. in about five minutes. And I think that's what <laughs> makes it so special. And it's kind of how we've been talking about the soundtrack too and how that kind of connects in such a great way. I love when the describing words of the composition of the music are ways that I would just describe the making of the film, mm. like otherworldly, unexpected. There's so many things that are happening that just start to line up. And, and that, that's kind of why I had that comparison to Rocky earlier, is it just feels like this tall tale of a process that, that this movie even ends up happening. Sure. Um, because it wasn't just Robin Williams and Skarsgård that were a big deal that decided to jump on. You know, it's like everybody are going around these two kids whose combined age is a middle-aged man, right? <laughs> and, and they're saying like, let's let's just, let's freaking do it. They, yeah. they well, these guys, you know, there's a great uh, story about how I think somehow this, uh, this script got into uh, Coppola's hands, Francis Ford Coppola's hands, and that's how oh, Robin wow. Williams got a hold of the script. Mm-hmm. And he's blown away, but his first question is, who the hell are these guys? Right, <laughs> right. Like, who did who did this, right? And so I think that's, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are like meta. Mm. They, are, like, they are Will a little bit, yeah, right? People, like in, ho- people in Hollywood being like, oh shoot, what do we do with this? Yeah. Okay, but that, like, leads, this be- that leads to this question I want to ask you guys that I'm almost afraid to ask because it would implicate me if the answer is yes. <laughs> is this ultimately a anti-blue collar, white collar film? Ooh. Interesting. The scene where Ben says, you know, don't do it for you, do it for me. It's an insult to us for you to not get out of here. And I I recognize that there are surely blue-collar people who feel that way about their kids, for instance. Like, this is a very common narrative in American lore, is that I laid brick so that my kid could go to college sure. and get a better job. Uh, and there is dignity in the blue-collar work, but, like, in the end, they're all kind of like, yeah, like you should go get a job at a think tank mm-hmm. and be a white collar because that's obviously better inherently. Yeah. And maybe it's just because it's it gives you money and a chance to do things and, and that's that's more innocuous. Um, you know, I, I guess the counter argument as I process this would be that a lot of white collar people are not uh, get their comeuppance in this film. Professor Lambeau, Todd the TA, uh, yeah. Southern Southern colonies douche from the bar. Um, <laughs> there's too. plenty of there's plenty of shit given to the white collar sort of Ivy League world. Sure, but yeah, ultimately like it's what Will has to do, not just to get Mini Driver, but also to like go get his white collar job. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. but again he's a superhero, so maybe that's maybe that gets it off the hook of being ultimately yeah. kind of white-collar apologetics, which well, Matt and Ben have- went to go do, become actors and writers, yeah. right? Yeah. Is it a pretty safe assumption that he goes back to the white-collar job? Because I remember, like, the end essentially is him 
is he not accepting it yet, or is he just not accepting it to go get me? My guess is it, he it, eventually it, takes a job like that and that's, uses that's his mine brain. Too. Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. mine too. Well, maybe it's, a, it's, it's Stanford. Question. Maybe guys, yeah. it's 1999. Maybe he's involved in the tech boom. Mm. <laughs> maybe he invents Twitter. Five years earlier. I don't know. Amazing. Jack who? It's Will. It's, it's Will. Will now. It's Will. It's Will, it's Will. the whole time. Well, I think it, it, it's a really great question. It's not something that I had considered. I would say that I think the the viewpoint that the script was written from has to be considered when asking that question. And it's two, it's two young white men in the 90s who are inherently going to come, even even if their history is blue collar in the city of Boston with their families, there's an inherent privilege that comes from being two sure. young, ambitious white men in the 90s who get to write a script and put it somehow in the hands of Francis Ford Coppola and Robin Williams. So I would say that there is probably at least a distaste for the blue collar work between the two script writers. Um, but I don't, I never got the vibe from, from where I was watching. I never got the vibe that there was... Um, a a looking down the nose. Uh, I can't think of a better phrase for that. I, it didn't feel like the script was looking down the nose at blue collar work so much as saying that Will Will's mind deserves to be pushed and explored and yeah. allowed to run free. Yeah. But it's it's a great question. And actually, I'm glad that we got to walk there. My super pump for this movie is the script itself, which feels like a cop-out when you're like, my favorite That's thing good. is all of it. Is the but, movie. <laughs> all but, the words they wrote for the movie. They're so good when I hear them. Those are my favorite. No, man. It, the, the writing for this movie, just the... the um, and, and I guess maybe my caveat, my asterisk here is, it's the script and the unscripted moments that we're allowed to breathe. Sure. Um, okay, now, think, you're, now you're really cheating. You got to pick one or go. the other. It's all of it. It's, <laughs> it's the whole thing. And it's also everything the way they wrote looks and, and everything sounds. they didn't write. <laughs> everything no. they didn't write. My super pump is the film Goodwill Hunting. I love that. I love that. We've come just close to stuff like it. that before. I'm telling you, this podcast has two hosts by the end of this night. I am out. <laughs> no, I, I just, I really, really love... Um, our story, our dialogue, um, the moments that we get, um, even the the aggression between um, Minnie Driver and uh, Matt Damon when they're when she's saying like, "If you tell me you don't love me, I'm 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 done and I'll, I'll I'll go." It just feels very. It feels like somebody's had that breakup before that wrote this script, you know. Um, and I just find it it's that perfect needle thread of believable enough for me to watch it and go, yeah, makes sense. But fantastical enough for me to watch it and not go, ooh, it hurts too much. It's too real. <laughs> um, and it, it just makes this, this perfect line that this movie walks for my tastes and my sensibilities. Um, it, that the script was, by the time I finished, I, the script was the only option for Super Pump for me. It's just, it's, it's yeah. very nearly a perfect script. Uh, did you see any of the stuff on William Goldman in this? I didn't. So William Goldman, playwright, screenwriter, uh, he did like uh, All the President's Men, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, won Oscars for those, uh, wrote The Princess Bride, right? So he's novel, at a big seminar. Yeah, the novel. Yeah. He's at a big seminar and he's talking about how uh, Rob Reiner, he gave Rob Reiner this to read. And uh, there had been rumors that essentially Goldman had written, he's actually the writer of Goodwill Hunting, hmm. right? To like take away, but- he completely sh shuts that down. He says, no, not at all. Now, they did approach him. So Damon and Affleck come to him. Uh, and at the time, 
he had the recommendation to kind of be like, why don't you lean into more of the beautiful, beautiful stuff about this in terms of the relationships and stuff like that? Because at that time, they thought it was going to be like uh, uh, someone was trying to get Will to do FBI like stuff. Uh, like, yeah. Uh, kind of a shot back at that is the NSA that they put back into the film. But Goldman says something that was kind of uh, sad about it is we don't really see these two write much anymore after their career. Mm. And he's kind of longingly saying, like, you know, it's it's much easier to go be an A-list actor. Sure. And it pays better. Wow. Right? But, you know, he talks about the wrestling of this five, six years that they were trying to get this script pushed, much less write it. And so it's, it is it is so much to do with the writing. And I think that's kind of the melancholy. That's kind of what's sad about it is that we don't really see these guys do it again. Yeah. They did Dogma together maybe, but after that it wasn't. There's just not much else. Yeah. But, yeah, the writing is just… They didn't phenomenal. write Dogma, did they? That's Kevin Smith. Oh, you're right. Is it? Yeah. And Kevin Smith is remember. a producer on this film. I yes, saw his name in the credits. Yeah. yeah. Well, I here's my final comment on the film as we as we near time. Eating caramels is not as arbitrary as drinking coffee. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> and here's why. Eating a bunch of sugar does not do the same thing as drinking caffeine does for you. There's a reason that peop that caffeine facilitates conversation and ideas is because it is a stimulant and sugar is not really a stimulant in the same way. You get a little peak of energy, then you crash, which you don't want to happen on a date. <laughs> and now I'm stealing from Michael Pollan's uh, new book, uh, your, your brain on plants or something. And that <laughs> coffee houses were started as all male, basically like philosophy clubs <laughs> that like men would go to, to debate ideas and that was where you like wanted to get an idea circulating so that it would like find purchase was a coffee house. So it's not arbitrary, Will. And the fact <laughs> that you think so means you're one one peg short of a full board. Yeah. He's an idiot. <laughs> if you I invited <laughs> Will Will's Hunting is dumb. If I invited someone <laughs> to coffee and they were like, or we could get caramels, it's basically the same thing. I'd be like, you know what? I'm actually right. good. Never mind. I'm yeah. actually all set. Yeah, I, I'm wrong. I actually am busy that day. <laughs> I no, forgot. Uh, we, are, we are nearing uh, the end of our time together. Before we do that, I do want to ask a quick question, Dan. Okay. Um, my therapist, um, who I, I love very much, he's, he's fantastic. He told me on my first session... If I see he takes he takes my privacy very seriously, and he told me if I see you out in public, I won't even look at you. Yeah. Uh, to which I said, "I'm going to look at you. I hope that's cool. I don't I don't mind." <laughs> yeah. But he wanted to make sure. In in your opinion, the relationship, and I know we do, we got into this a little bit at the beginning, but the um, the the phone calls, the uh, going on on the walk and taking things outside of the office, is that something that feels within the realm of okay to you? I just don't know. I'm unfamiliar with what's okay and what isn't. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that what they portray in the film is not um, is not a betrayal of client confidentiality. What sure. your therapist is is saying uh, is like, like, I will never say hi to a client if I see them in public. They are welcome to say hi to me. I, do, I have a few clients. I, I intern at a at a clinic right now. They're welcome to say hi to me and they can tell their friends that I'm their therapist if they want, but I'll never divulge any of that out of sure. my own mouth. Um, and in fact, you know, I have like a Facebook group with uh, patrons of the podcast and a handful of them are my clients 
And I tell them the same thing there. I will never sort of comment to you as if I'm your therapist. Like, you know, you, you're welcome to say what you want, but, um, that's just like, I won't do that. Uh, and so, yeah. And, and you can, you know, some people do go for walks. I mean, there are concerns about if people can overhear you, sure. you might like the nerdy stuff is that you might need to like write a little note why you did it and, and like sort of give a reason for it and explain that there weren't people that would overhear it. Hmm. But yeah, there's like, you, you know, there's like recreational therapy. People do therapy on hikes or at a gun range like or at equine a, therapy or whatever. Equine yeah. therapy, yeah. you know, so yeah, it's 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 within the realm of possibility. Him giving him his answering machine, that's perfectly reasonable. Um, you know, clients can have a way to reach you, but it's generally frowned upon to like be texting with him a bunch or sure. you know, doing therapy yeah. over the phone when it's not a session unless it's a real emergency, uh, that type of a thing. Interesting. I'm glad that we were able to end the podcast on like some super entertaining stuff about confidentiality and ethics. <laughs> I think it's Man, the most entertaining to hear, though, because the the relationship of Will and Sean is my super pump for this movie. Yeah, it's just it's Look at just that. fantastic. Mm. It's just fantastic, and particularly I do want to zero out or zero in on on Robin Williams. Legend says that the she farts in her sleep whole thing was improved by wow. Williams. No, it definitely Whoa. like is. landing all the way through. Like the cameraman's wow. laughing, the the shot is it's shaking. The camera's shaking. Yeah, Williams is improving all of this Unreal. all the way through the landing where he says, "And she's been dead two years, and that's the shit I remember." Holy Unreal. crap, wow. guys, that's unreal. Yeah, it is. Gosh, you know, we this is not our first. This is not our first Robin Williams movie. Of course, this kind of thing happens when you have a movie podcast for four yeah. years. You're bound to just shotgun and hit like five good Robin Williams movies. But to uh, to show the significance of how much this performance stands out uh, among many for him is that bench where he does have a lot of time with Will ended up becoming organically just a memorial to Robin Williams wow. after his death wow. in Boston. That this was oh. the place where people were just putting letters and writing all these things to put around so that bench cool. and uh, has since become uh, uh, nominated and, and to, to have an actual statue put up of Goodness his character gracious. right there in memoriam. So. It's great. Yeah, it was a significant wow. role for a lot of people. That's great. That's really awesome. Um, it is time to rate this movie officially on uh, the two chunks and a hunk scientific cinema scale created in-house at our own test kitchens. It's perfect, and it is as follows. It's, I've heard people say it's so smart that even Will couldn't come up he with it. He couldn't figure it out, dude. That That's we crazy. had to do wow. it for him. We had to do it it's for crazy. Him. I can't believe it. Now, the best thing we could ever say about a movie, of course, is own it, don't lend it. Buy, buy that, that poster. poster. The next best thing is buy it. That's followed by rent it and then stream it. After that is forget it and last, but certainly least, the worst thing we could ever say about a movie. God hath forsaken us. I'm going to go first. I don't usually go first on the ratings, but I'm going to do it. Uh, because I appreciate you stepping out. Like you know, that. it's wow. a it's my last wow. show, so I just want to go out with a bang. <laughs> uh, I'm buying the poster for Goodwill Hunting because, of course, I am. I mean, yeah. it's 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 a slam dunk movie. It's so perfect for me. I love it. I've if you want to know why I'm buying the poster, go listen to the first entire podcast we just recorded. It's so good. <laughs> uh, poster for me, easy. This is gonna be a poster for me sure. as well. You heard it here first. Breaking news on two chunks and a hunt. Goodwill Hunting is a very good movie. Hey, it might even be great Will Hunting. It might even be great Will Hunting. Oh my god! Don't sell yourself short. 
Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm also going to buy the poster. And I think even though some of it, some moments are super cerebral, uh, I don't think you necessarily have to follow along with that closely to appreciate this movie. It's the kind of movie that I think I would recommend to just about mm. anybody and have a pretty good chance of them not hating it. Sure. I think people <laughs> would really enjoy the, the, the process. But yeah, buy the poster. You know, I it's hard to be a guest in this aspect because I don't have any movie posters. I do own <laughs> sure. movies Secret. and I own this movie. Uh, so literally it's a, I own it, but I'm going <laughs> to, but I'm going to give you a reason why for the sake of the rating, I'm going to bump it up to buy the poster. Okay. And that's because, and I was, I was thinking about how to say this as we were talking, the, the film does a really good job of two things at once. So if you are a 22 year old college kid who thinks that because he is reading Howard Zinn's People's History of the United States, that he knows how bullshit everything is or whatever, then you identify with that speech that Will gives. Right. If you are the 50-year-old, you know, adult who remembers that phase of your life and knows that there was stuff missing, then you can latch on to that Robin Williams responds to that by calling bullshit on him. Sure. <laughs> and you can, and it really lets them both sit side by side. And I don't think that it totally, I don't think that it ever totally says that Will was full of shit. I think right. he's on to something and it valorizes him enough that that gets some credence. That's a really cool um, tightrope. It makes me think of, a show that my wife and I are watching right now called The White Lotus on HBO. Yes. Which I'm I'm about to start. Just it's finished, so, so good. Excited. And mm -hmm. the one of the families, the the Connie Britton, Steve Zahn family, they're talking about privilege and race and and you know who gets a chance to speak and all this stuff. And the different characters like voice different perspectives that like people in America would voice right now. Yes. I, I guess people broadly on the left. There's nobody doing like a Trump thing, but but like you, you can then kind of play around yourself in the interplay between the different things that they're saying. Uh, and it's just masterfully done. And that's what I thought of uh, during that scene on the rewatch for Good Will Hunting. So am I very long? Of course, this is very me to just talk <laughs> more than any of you guys on your podcast. Uh, You're the guest though. Is that how guests work? I guess, yeah. You are the hunk. <laughs> I sometimes yeah. talk as much as my guest on my podcast, which is a flaw. Um, <laughs> try not to, but yeah. So it's it's a it's by the poster. It's by the poster for me. Although I think that's great. No, it's good. Yeah, I want the Robin. I want the main poster of of Will and Sean. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's it always helps one. when it's a good poster too. That helps make right? things a little bit easier. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is posters uh, all around. That is the end. Yeah, we're ending on a posters all around with an even fourth poster from our wonderful guest host Dan. Surprise coming post. in, guys! Three posters and a poster. It's so Can't good. even believe it. <laughs> wow. New podcast. Well, that that closes out our uh, Matt and Jack do therapy but do it real bad series that we never officially <laughs> named for some reason. Uh, no, that's it. That it can rolls be, off that the works. tongue, which is great. Um, but that, that does close us out. Um, and of course, next week we will be reviewing Shang-Chi uh, coming at you hot from the MCU presses straight from their beautiful bakery. I heard it's really similar to this, yeah. actually. 
weirdly yeah. enough. I, I have it's not, not even going to be a tonal difference really at all. Yeah, I, did, I hardly recognize Ben Affleck <laughs> be in the trailer. Yeah. Um, but before we close down shop for this episode, Dan, for those that don't want to rewind and do the hard work themselves, do you have anything that you want to plug here right now at the very end? Uh, oh, yeah, sure. If you want, you can listen to You Have Permission. It's not about movies. It's about uh, <laughs> Christianity in the modern world. And you do have a great episode about uh, movies, Christian movies. That's yeah. a fun that episode. I yeah, I interviewed. It is a good it. one. Yeah. I interviewed the the guys who made um, Faith Based, which is a indie comedy that I think is on Prime Video still. Uh, where they, to, it's a buddy comedy about guys who try to make some money by writing a Christian film and starring in it. Yeah, uh, and uh, it's a pretty funny movie. It definitely was a fun. It is fun conversation with them. And I've also I also had Luke back on the show recently to do um, a conversation about why he's not a Christian. I do that sometimes, mm -hmm. like a, their episode's called I Don't Believe in That God, and uh, just kind of hear people's stories and compare contrast my own faith with their whatever it is that they lack faith in. Uh, and it's so sometimes interesting to, to, this feels like so wrong and different for your show. Like who's going to want, who no, like this have... is going to want that, you know? Uh, 95 yeah, like, almost most if I had a podcast about bicycles or something like that would be <laughs> cool or caramels not. caramels yeah. yeah sure the caramel podcast <laughs> well Dan I think you inadvertently just uh, gave us our perfect closing but before we do that I do just want to say again from all of us here at Two Chunks thank you man this was 100%. great yeah this thank was you. awesome thank you we, we really My appreciate pleasure. your time and um, hanging out with us and your uh, your actual source of uh expertise in a subject that none of us have, which is great. Can you imagine us just farting our way through this? <laughs> Dude, yeah, I, liked I, liked the was part, I liked the part where yeah. they were nice to each other. That part was cool. <laughs> um, but to end today's episode, I would like for each of us to say our first and last name and reveal how we pronounce the word C-A-R-A-M-E-L. Oh, okay. <laughs> Divisive. I know it. I know it. For two chunks and a hunk, my name is Jordan Wonders. I think I say caramel, but I, I think it's contextual for me. I would say caramel apple, but I would call the candies caramels. Ooh. Mull that over. Interesting. Isn't I'm Doge, and I'm Doge, and I have made a principled effort in my life to replace every caramel with caramel. Interesting. I, I'm making an effort on that pronunciation front. I'm, I'm making no effort because it doesn't really define me. I'm mm. Carter, mm. and uh, I just say caramel. Okay. I don't care what you Good think. for you, man. Ooh. person who is judging me for saying caramel. So freaking brave <laughs> over here. I'm Dan, and I thought I maybe said caramel because of the film, but I just thought about salted caramel, which Ooh, is usually yeah. where I say it, and so it's caramel. Good point. Wow. Yeah. Salted caramel. Salted caramel so feels weird bad. Coming out of my mouth. If you, you, say, if you say salted caramel, I'll punch you in the face right in front of me. <laughs> uh, I'm glad we're over Zoom. I'm glad we're over Zoom because I say that. Makes and it sounds smart uh, as hell. Yeah, I'd like a, a single, a kid scoop of salted caramel. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm getting out of the shop. I don't want to be near you. You know how to book flights and hotels. 
all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you. With professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.